Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Heme Consoles podcast. I'm your host, Tayasi Unwemina. I am a coach extraordinaire. I'm so excited, super excited to be talking with you today as I share about starting from the inside out. Yes, I'm inviting you today to start from the inside out. Start from the inside out. And I'm going to share that the theme of today's podcast episode comes from First Peter chapter 3, verse 4. And um, yeah, inviting you to start from the inside out. But before I get started, I just want to say, oh, woman of color in hematology, that you are so beautiful on the inside and on the outside. You're gorgeous. You're amazing. You're like a powerhouse. And you're not just amazing on the outside, but you're amazing on the inside as well. And I just want to speak to and encourage the inside of you. I just want to share that, wow, what is inside of you is so much greater than what we can see on the outside. And it's so much more important. It's so much more powerful. I just want to invite you to just bring out more of what's on the inside. Yes, you're beautiful. You're so gorgeous. You're amazing. And there's so much more to you. And so I want to invite you that you would just, you would just share it. You would share it with yourself first. Because sometimes there's a sense that you're hiding what's inside of you because maybe it won't be accepted. Maybe people will judge it. Maybe people will say, oh, no, thank you. But you know, you know that what's inside is so beautiful. And I invite you to bring it out. I invite you to share it with us because, you know, our lives can be enriched for, for seeing more of what's inside you. And you're going to be so much more enriched as well because there are some parts of you that you've been hiding some parts of you that you've been keeping from other people, some parts of you that you have not let come out and you feel like you're not living your fullest life. You know, you feel like you're not living your best life. And wow, what an opportunity for you to be able to do that and not just bless yourself, but also bless us. Those of us who are waiting for you to be all that you can be, all that you, you, you must be to live in the fullness of who you are. And so I invite you, to step out of the closet and be your full best self. Show us what's on the inside of you because we need it. The world needs it and you need it too. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to invite you to today's episode, which talks about living from the inside out. And I, I, I want to share the story of how I've lived for a long time from the outside in. And I don't know, you might resonate with this and maybe you don't. But somebody else will. So if you don't resonate with, with it, I want to invite you to, to share with somebody else who might potentially. But I want to share with you that I grew up as someone who really, really thrived as being a goody two-shoe. So I was the second child in a family of four children. Oh, I still am. Oh, I still am the second child in a family of four children. But growing up as a child, that was me, number two. 
<laughs> and um and you know after me my my third the third my third sibling or my second sibling my second sibling because i had one sibling when i was born my second sibling is a boy you know was a boy he's a man now but it was a big deal right we we're three girls and one boy so he got the special the specialness of being a boy <laughs> and then and then our fourth fourth uh the fourth child my third sibling is a girl but she's the she's the baby right so i i don't have to tell you that the baby is the baby and they get special treatment just because there's just nobody after them they get to be in the bed longer they get to stay with mom long they just they just get all sorts of benefits so i always felt like the person who just didn't really have any specialness to them i don't know if you resonate but i wasn't the first i wasn't the one that everybody was looking up to as the one who would like blaze trails I wasn't the boy, the most special of the bunch in the sense of like, there's only one of you. And I was the baby. So I think from a very early age, I always had the sense that I needed to do something to stand out. Hence, perhaps some overachieving type personality that came forth because I felt like there was nothing special about me and I needed to make something special happen. Well, when I was growing up, one of the things that came to the fore as, as a thing I could do and do successfully was to get people to be happy with me. I was the one who did all the right things. Oh, and the adults were so impressed by that. It was like, oh my goodness, she's so quiet. Oh my goodness, she's so brilliant. Oh, she reads so much. I loved the attention. It was so, so nourishing to my starved soul, right? I was starved for attention. When I would get attention from these adults who were so easily impressed, by silly things like reading books. <laughs> okay, I'm an adult now. I am impressed by those things. I know. But when I was a child, it was like, is that it? This is all it takes to impress you. I got really good. I got super good at doing the kinds of things that made adults gush over me. And so that's how I started in my early childhood. And you know what? It worked for me for a long time. And I would study really hard and I'd make good grades. And so that's how I've been on this journey all the way through medical school, all the way through residency, all the way through fellowship, working to impress people. And wow, I have to tell you that I don't think it was a winning strategy from the beginning, but it got me very far to where it all broke down was when I became a faculty member. It all broke down because all of a sudden, there wasn't just one uniform set of criteria to be able to please the adults, so to speak, the senior people in my life. There were so many more. And there were so many more people who had things to say about when I didn't meet the, the standard. Let's say, for example, I'm a clinician. I see patients in the clinic. And so the people who are in charge of making sure patient care is going as it is, it was like, well, we need you to fill your schedule. Well, you know, you had one person missing. Why don't you double book? Why don't you triple book? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do my best to make sure the schedule is full. I'm going to double book and triple book. And, and they might be happy. But then on the other, the flip side of that is that, well, you know, because I was double booked and triple booked, I was in clinic a long time. And then my patients are mad. They're like, I had a two o'clock appointment. It is now 3.30. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. You're the third two o'clock appointment. And you just happened to be the one who was bumped to number three. And so they're mad at me. And so struggling to please them while also struggling to please the person who's making up the clinic schedule who wants me to be double booked and triple booked. Oh my gosh, at odds with each other. So I was struggling. 
I was struggling. I was struggling. I was struggling because the strategies that worked for me when I was a child were no longer working. And there were different sets of adults, so to speak, in my life who were pleased by different things. And so my people-pleasing strategy failed miserably because no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't please everybody. No matter how hard I tried, if I pleased one person really well, I was going to make the other person miserable. And so I, as, as I continued to struggle to try to please all these players, I was becoming more and more miserable because it was a losing game. It was a losing battle. It was one I could never win. And yet I was trying so hard to play it. Oh, yeah. Anyway, let's just say that it finally did come to a head. For many of us, we call it burnout. I don't know if I would call it burnout because it was a slow process. And, and it really, really was, I mean, I think I got to a point where it, it is burnout. And I'm not trying to diminish burnout. But I'm just saying that, you know, it takes a long time sometimes for us to acknowledge that we're burned out. And, and sometimes it, we, never, we never actually name it, right? We never actually diagnose ourselves with burnout. We're just living the experience of, of cynicism and anger and having a short fuse and feeling like, what is the point of this? But still working so hard to make it work and having these highs and lows of awful emotions. That was me yelling at my children, snapping at my husband, just being mean to my mom. I was... I was a mean person. Oh my gosh. I was mean. I was ugly. I was ugly to me. And maybe other people thought I was amazing, but I was ugly and I could feel the ugliness inside. And I, I did that for so long. I really did that for so long until I didn't. But the transformation was not a sudden transformation. It wasn't like one day I feel, I hate the way I feel inside to the next day. I'm like, oh, everything is great. It really took work. <laughs> and I've said this before, I'll say it again. Part of that work was starting to work with a coach to align myself, my external experience with my internal experience. And one of the most important things we did, and I'm going to just share with you right now, is that we started from the inside out. And that's where I'm inviting you to live from, from today on, is starting from the inside out. Let's start first with some of the lessons that I want to share from this experience. The first thing is that the first sign of trouble with the way I was living was what was happening inside me. It was the first sign of trouble. Now, what's interesting is that I'd been living this way, this people-pleasing strategy I'd been using and had been very successful with, I'd been doing from when I was a child. And it was hurting me even when I was a child. However, the benefits seemed to outweigh the challenges because I would get that short-term gain of the adult being happy with me for doing what they wanted me to do. It was short-term gain and I was very short-term focused and short-term gain was okay when I was a child because my life was always changing exponentially, dramatically. And the things that I got in terms of that short-term gain actually did benefit me long-term. The adults were happy with me. It gave me good grades. I moved on to the next thing, right? But all the time, I was kind of misaligned because until I was getting external feedback, until I was getting the external reinforcement, I wasn't sure which way to move forward. It broke down when I became a, an attending. Actually, it was breaking down the whole time. 
but it really broke down because the external environment was chaotic and the external environment couldn't figure out how best they wanted me to show up. And so I was getting mixed messages and now I was mixed up because every time I kept looking to my external environment to tell me who I was, to tell me how I wanted to show up, my external environment was tearing me apart. It was making me feel like I was crazy because no matter what I did, they were never satisfied. Somebody was not satisfied. And so it was tearing me up inside. And so the first step, the first thing that I needed to do, the first work that happened was me saying, hey, what's going on inside? Let's take the internal temperature of Toyosi. Let's take her internal temperature. That was the first step, was taking my internal temperature. And I have to tell you, I knew that things were not working out like the way they were supposed to because I was burned out yelling all the time and just just snapping and, and being short fused. I knew something was wrong, but I still had not done the work of stopping and saying, hey, Teosi, how are you feeling? How's, how's this working for you? How are you doing? I, I mean, not in a, in a way of, of, of judgment, but in a way of saying, hey, I care about you, my love. How are you? And, and I don't know, it seems silly, right? To, to, to call yourself my love. But wow, if you're not going to have compassion on you, who are you going to have compassion on? I was, I was snapping at other people. So clearly my compassion was failing. But the most important person who felt my lack of compassion was me. Because even though I wasn't feeling aligned inside, even though I was feeling burned out, did I stop working? No, I kept pushing harder because I thought if I pushed harder, then I could, I could make it further. And so the one person I did not have compassion on was me. And so the very first step in breaking the cycle was to say, hey, baby, hey, love, hey, Toyosi, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And wow. That seems like such an easy question, but it was super hard. It was a super hard question because I had not stopped to ask myself that question really ever. Most of the time I was like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you shape up? What do you mean you forgot? What's wrong with you? Shape up. You know, that was me. And the way I spoke to myself was always very much like the master with a whip, cracking the whip all the time and saying, hey, 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 you're slowing down. Speed up harsh, mean, not nice to me. And so what an opportunity I had to finally stop and be like, hey, baby, how are you? And it's like, you know, when you've been going for so long and no one's ever asked you, how are you doing? No one's ever spoken to you with such kindness. It breaks you. And, and it just, I mean, just all the emotions start to come out because then and again, this is me, right? I'm talking to me. Then, then I get to be real with myself and say, oh, yeah, it's not working. I don't know what's going on, but I hate this life. But it was also a beautiful thing because for the first time, I was showing myself compassion. I was asking the questions that brought forth my healing. How are you doing, baby? How are you doing, love? And I was like, yeah, I'm not feeling so good. And that was great because the first step just to victory, the first step to healing is acknowledging that there's sickness and disease. Hello, I'm talking to physicians here. The first step to healing is acknowledging that there is a diagnosis, acknowledging the problem. When I stop to ask myself, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Oh my goodness. Wow. What a breakthrough. Because then I could acknowledge to myself that all was not going well. And that was important for me to start first by looking inside me 
and asking the question of how are you doing? How are you doing? That was the very first step. It took working with a coach to get there, but you don't even have to wait. Stop right now. Pause this audio and ask yourself, how are you doing? Really ask yourself. Really ask yourself that question. The second thing that I needed to do was to answer that question and to answer it honestly. You know, I want to just speak to this. So, I mean, if you're asking a question, you're most likely going to ask it honestly, especially if you're asking yourself the question. But I want to just speak to the shock that comes from from you asking yourself, honestly, how are you doing? The shock that came to me. Maybe it's easy for you because you've been kind to yourself this whole time, but I was not. But I got to a point where I was like, Teosi, love, baby, how are you doing? And it almost was like, um, are you, are you talking to me? <laughs> it was like, wait a minute. You're not yelling at me. You're not, you're not like telling me I need to shave up. You're not, you're not here to judge me. Like you're actually asking me with kindness, how am I doing? And I have to say that it, it was an overwhelming experience just to, just to acknowledge the kindness of which I was speaking to myself in those first days of that work that I, I, I had to do and continue to do, is being able to, to stop and say, wow, you're asking me this question, you, you're for real. And then for me to answer honestly, because do you know what happens when no one's ever asked you? How are you doing? When you've never asked yourself honestly and genuinely, you stop and you have to think about it. Like, wait, wait, how am I doing? And, and then you bring out all those things that you buried, all those emotions that you just let slide, all those emotions that you're like, no, no, I'm not going to allow myself to feel that. And they all come bubbling to the surface. And it feels, it feels heady. It feels hard. It feels challenging. And it is a place of emotion. It absolutely is. And so it was necessary for me to ask myself the question, then also for me to give myself the space to answer the question. And here's the thing. It wasn't a question that I asked of myself just once. (laughs) And this is number three. I had to ask myself the same question over and over and over again, until it became second nature, until it no longer elicited a shock, until it was no longer like, are you really asking me? Until I could answer consistently, until I could answer honestly. And I have to say that was the beginning of all of the work, asking myself the question, allowing myself to answer, and then asking over and over and over again. It was the beginning of the work. Because when I asked myself the question of love to Yossi, babe, how are you doing? And I honestly answer and I say, hey, I'm not doing so great. It opens up an opportunity for me to care for me, for me to say, hey, how do we get things right? How do we heal you? How do we encourage you? How do we support you? And I want to encourage you if you're listening right now, you're like, no one's ever asked me that. No one's ever asked me honestly, how am I doing? I want to ask you honestly, hey, how are you doing? You're answering right now and I can't hear you, but you know what? You can hear you. And that may be more important than me hearing you is that you can hear you because when you can hear you and when you're answering honestly, then you have the tools within you to bring about the healing that you need. 
you're a healer. If you're, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to women of color in hematology. I'm speaking to, to healers. I am heal- speaking to healing physicians. But maybe you're not a physician and you're listening. You're still a healer. Maybe you're a mom, you're a healer to children. Maybe you, you have a significant other. You're a healer to that person. You're a healer to the people around you. And so what an opportunity now is I invite you to focus that healing power on yourself and answering the question of how are you doing? Not just how are you doing, but how are you really doing? How are you really feeling? And it's okay if it brings tears to your eyes. It's okay if you cry because that is part of the work of healing is starting to feel again. And the problem with us not having stopped for so long to ask ourselves how we doing is we're disconnected from how we really feel because we're trying so hard to push to the next thing. We're disconnected from how we really feel. And so what an opportunity to hear yourself answer honestly, maybe for the first time in a long time, how you really feel, how things are really going for you. And I want to invite you to step into the space of this healing work. I'm going to invite you to do three things. The first thing I want to invite you to do is to ask this question again. Ask it of yourself again. How am I doing? How am I doing? Ask yourself the question. And then I want to ask you to sit with the answer. Don't rush it. Don't say, oh, I I don't even want to go there. I don't even have. Don't do it. Do whatever is necessary. Take the time to hear the answer to that question. Go to the room. Be by yourself. Travel. I don't know what you've got to do. Whatever you do, sit with the emotions that come with the answer to that question. Sit with the reality of it. Cry if you need to, because that is the space where the healing comes. Sit with the answer to that question. And the third thing I'm going to ask you to do, is I'm going to ask you not to do this alone. This is hard work. And yes, You are doing the work of healing yourself, and it's such important and such powerful work. Don't do it by yourself, because it's always, always easier with two people, always easier with community, a community that loves you and supports you and helps you be everything that you need to be, a community that lovingly challenges you, a community that doesn't let things stay the same way. I want to be part of your community. I want to be your coach to help you do this hard work of transforming into the person you need to transform into. And it doesn't have to be me. I would love to come alongside you. And if you're thinking you want the same too, send me a DM on Facebook, on Instagram, or on LinkedIn, or I will put in the show notes information to to book a call with me so we we can talk about how I can support you. But it doesn't have to be me. Get into community. Don't do this work alone. But this work is such important work. You got to do it. Absolutely, you got to do it. I invite you to do the work. I invite you to do the work. I want to close by encouraging you, a woman of color in hematology, that there is a wounded person inside of you that needs to be healed so that she can become all that she can be so that she can live in the fullness of who she's meant to be. And this wounded person is able to do a lot while wounded. There's so much more that she can do if she was not wounded. So much more that she could do if she was living from the inside out. I invite you to do the work that's necessary to be all that you can be 
Maybe that's therapy for you. Maybe that's coaching for you. Maybe that's just talking to your significant other. I don't know what it is, but I do believe it. it needs to be done. And I invite you to step into the space of healing. And you may be someone who's like, well, I don't have this problem. I'm inviting you to just live in the place of healing. Live in the place where you're always in touch with how you're doing. Live in the place where you're always asking yourself with compassion. Hey, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? Give yourself that opportunity to always be in the place of healing so that you're never wounded. You're never wounded. And if you're wounded, or I should say when you're wounded, because this wounding is always happening, that you always have a space, a space to immediately heal, a space to immediately regenerate, a space to immediately come back to the core of who you are. All right. I hope this has been a blessing to you. And if it has, I invite you to not keep it to yourself. I invite you to share it with somebody else who needs to hear, somebody else who needs to be helped, somebody else who needs to be transformed by the words that we've spoken in this space. I need you to be a a source of transformation for somebody else who needs to live from the inside out. All right. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. I look forward to talking with you again the next time. And if you want to continue the conversation, Look us up at coadcoach.com. Take care. Bye.